So Money Episode 11, Dave Asprey. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and I've got a very cool, very interesting show today. Our guest is a man who, get this, he invested $300,000 to hack his own biology. And from there, he lost 100 pounds and started somewhat of a revolution in the world of health. He is a self-described biohacker, and his name is Dave Asprey. He is the founder of the Bulletproof Executive, creator of Bulletproof Coffee, and author of the new book, The Bulletproof Diet, The Revolutionary Biohacking Plan to Lose Up to a Pound a Day, Regain Energy and Focus, and Upgrade Your Life. Sounds like something we'd all like to do. Dave's also a Silicon Valley investor and tech entrepreneur, and I think you're really going to appreciate his financial insights. In our interview, Dave shares his strategy for making better, healthier decisions when we're stressed, uh, how to make stronger connections between what's going on in your heart and in your mind, and there's actually a gadget for that. He's going to talk about it. Dave also opens up about the time in his life when he made millions of dollars and then lost it all within a couple of years. Pretty traumatic, as you can imagine. He talks about how it happened and uh, how he was able to ultimately transform his financial life. Really rich takeaways. Here we go. Here is Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey, welcome to So Money. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Farnish. You know, I've uh, been really, really interested in speaking with you. You are very busy these days. You're, uh, you are in the process of um, spreading a very important message to uh, the world about um, becoming more healthy, becoming more fit through your own personal journey. You have a new book out called The Bulletproof Diet. But, uh, you know, some people might be wondering, why did I invite Dave Asprey on to So Money? This is a financial show. Well, if there's anyone that um, out there that that's proven that they've got a very disciplinary method to their life, um, you're one of them. You know, you're very disciplined. You're very focused. You, um, when it when it comes to your health, but apparently also to your entire life. And I think that there are a lot of parallels in how we approach um, the discipline that we, that, that's required to maintain a healthy living lifestyle and a financial lifestyle and a financial, um, life. So I'm curious to see how that might translate into your own personal finances. We'll get to your personal finances in a second, but first congratulations on the Bulletproof Diet. Tell me a little bit about the book, um, and the biohacks and, and you as a self-described biohacker, what made you want to write this book? I spent $300,000 in 15 years first getting my health back and then exceeding what I ever thought was possible. And along the way, there, there's a certain amount of like psychological, emotional stuff that, that you work on in order to be a peak performer. And I, I got really interested in all of the things that you can assemble to perform at your very best level and then measuring what you were doing. 
and do more of what works and stop doing what doesn't work. And when I ended up writing The Bulletproof Diet, it ended up being a book about willpower. It turns out that there are many things that you do every day that are outside your conscious awareness and those sap your ability to make good decisions of any kind of decision. And one of the biggest areas where people today are just wasting their energy is on food cravings and on hunger rather than eating so that they have maximum energy to make the best decisions, whether they're financial or personal or just a decision that you're not going to you know, snap back at your kids when they pester you. Like whatever that is, there's some amount of energy that you have to bring to bear on a problem. And if you're eating the wrong foods or if you're just not eating enough of them or if you're beating yourself up with exercise for you know, two hours a day every day, all of those can make you – a poor decision maker across your entire life. And and that is something that became apparent to me. So I stopped wasting time and energy on being hungry and having food cravings. And that has unleashed a lot of entrepreneurial performance for me. So I, I wrote the book to share that with people. Tell us your personal story a little bit. You know, what uh, brought you to the point where you were like, I'm going to spend $300,000 to figure this out. Where were you in your personal health at that point? When I was about 26, um, I had weighed up to 300 pounds, and I started getting brain fog. I was working at a, a company in Silicon Valley that had become very successful. In fact, I made $6 million when I was 26. I, I lost it when I was 28, by the way. And We will get to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But at the time, I, I was like, I don't remember what happened in this meeting. I, my brain isn't working. I, I don't have the energy to bring it when I want to. And I'm a pretty smart guy. And, and I, I just felt like I was losing my edge. I just didn't have that energy. So I started measuring this and, and paying attention to it and realized that there were a whole bunch of things I was doing that weren't working. I also started taking smart drugs. And I, I just decided that, that if I was going to have a, the career that I wanted – that I was going to have to get on top of my biology. So I worked out six days a week uh, for an hour and a half a day. And I, I did all sorts of things. I tried many different diets. But along the way, it was always what makes me perform the best, not just you know look good because it's relatively easy to lose weight. Just have a famine with a tiger chasing you and you'll lose weight. You'll just gain <laughs> twice as much back. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, you have to do it right, not just the easy way. And I've been – I've kept that 100 pounds of fat off for more than a decade now, and I don't use effort or willpower to do it. it it's an effortless thing. It just happens when you eat right, when, when you've cracked that code for what foods make you bulletproof and what foods are kryptonite to you. It might be different than the guy next to you, but you better know what makes you weak and stop doing it. Give us a little sense of what we can expect from the Bulletproof Diet. Tease us. I'm really curious to learn what maybe some of the what, – what I might be able to accomplish. And I'm happy to hear that I don't have to you know, enter famine and be chased by a lion or a tiger to lose weight. Where, what, are some of the unique, what are some of the unique tips that you provide in the book that you're especially um, proud of? One of the most important ones is you've got to eat more healthy fat to be a high performer. And I don't mean drinking olive oil. I mean grass-fed butter, uh, avocados, even things like uh, a steak from healthy animals that, that ate grass. The quality and type of the fat you eat is at the foundation of who you are. And I say this because your hormones are made of fat. Your cell membranes of every cell in your body are made of fat. And your brain is made of fat. 
So if you don't eat quality fat that's undamaged, over time, you're not going to perform the way you could, and you're going to experience a lot more food cravings, which you just don't want to have. Let's talk money now. I, I'm curious to hear how some of your health philosophies might uh, be mirrored in your financial philosophies. And that's my first question is, what is your best, a most sacred financial philosophy that helps guide your decisions? And, and you are somebody who um, is very successful, um, you know, very successful entrepreneur. You've um, sold businesses. You're, you're, you know, you know a thing or two about money. But I'm curious in terms of managing your money, earning your money, saving your money, growing your money. What's your philosophy? It it comes down to awareness, and it's exactly the same for food and money. And and there is a whole universe of things that happen in your body that are not visible to your conscious brain. And I actually write about this in the Bulletproof Diet. There's a whole conversation that, that happens. There's kind of three big buckets. And this is between your nervous system. And you can almost think of your nervous system as like a separate part of you. And this ties directly to the financial decisions you make. The, the first thing, if you imagine like a Labrador retriever in your mind, this is what the Buddhists would call the monkey mind. But th there's a part of you that... If you imagine that floppy dog, it, it, you say, look, there's a stick, and you run after it. And that's distractibility. And also, like, oh, is that something I should be afraid of? So there's this constant seeking for something that's either opportunity or something that's a threat. That's actually not really your conscious human brain. That's an automated defense system in your body. There's also this, oh, look, I'll eat anything, which is what that Labrador will do. And there's also the, oh, look, there's a leg. I'll go, I'll go mate with it. So those are the three survival behaviors for the species. And as I look at how did I lose $6 million when I was 28, it was because my body, my nervous systems, automated protection systems uh, were forcing me to not pay attention to what was important because, honestly, my nervous system was afraid of them. As a conscious, intelligent human being, I wasn't afraid of them, but I didn't realize that the fear response in my body had nothing to do with logic. So when I look at managing my money, the first thing I do is I look at what is my nervous system's response to a financial situation. Is, is there a fear or a tension or something? And if there is, I pay a lot of attention to it until that goes away because I don't want to be dealing with money on that level. I, could, I will honor my nervous system if I have a deal in front of me and some part of me is like, run screaming, this is a bad deal. Well, okay, I'll go with my gut and all the great venture capitalists – when you, when you talk to them about this, they'll say the same thing. Some part of what they do is intuition. So I trust my intuition, but I listen to my nervous system and I don't let it make decisions for me. I make them consciously. How do you reconcile this? Because you know, on the one hand, you, like you said, you want to respect your nervous system. You want to be conscious. And if your gut's telling you to, to run the other direction, you might. But then um, like, how do you manage that so that you actually end up, like you said, you have to you want to squash those fears. How do you squash those fears? What is the conscious effort that you make to make sure that your nervous system isn't necessarily taking over in a negative way? Some of my clients are, are very successful uh, people, and, and I coach them on how to do this. And I, I have very few coaching clients. I'm a CEO, and I'm running Bulletproof, but I, I still set aside some time to, to share with other people I, I really, frankly, would like to spend time with anyway. And I use a technique called heart rate variability training. 
there's a little $99 sensor that hooks up to your iPhone. It's called the inner balance sensor. And I carry it on bulletproof.com, but I, it's not a main part of my business. You can buy them on Amazon too. And what you do is you plug this thing into your ear and into your iPhone and you take a deep breath. And if your body is in a sympathetic, this is a fight or flight kind of mode, then the iPhone turns red, or at least the icon turns red. And if you're in a parasympathetic dominant, this is the relaxed conscious mode, then it turns green. And one of my clients learned what it feels like when it turns red because he got into the green zone. He was a hedge fund manager. He's, he's sitting on an airplane and he thinks about work and it turns red. He goes, wait a minute. When I think about work, my body gets ready to run away and hide. And so he learned to overcome that. He takes it into the office, turns it on. The market bell rings and it goes red and it stays red all day. So he was trading billions of dollars in a fight or flight mode. So it took him about two weeks of training himself to be aware of when his body did that and then to take steps to turn that off until at the end of the day, he had twice as much energy and he felt better and he made better decisions. I do that with myself all the time and I do more stuff with advanced neurofeedback. So did did he do breathing exercises? Did he drink more coffee? Like what was he doing? What were the steps? It's actually a, a short breathing exercise that's guided by the iPhone. But what he's doing is he's learning what it feels like to change the spacing of his heartbeats. Not to make it go faster or slower, but just to space them differently. There is no way that you or I sitting here could know what that feels like. But when the iPhone tells you, it's actually kind of an advanced form of meditation, one that you would arrive at over years of practice, except we're all too busy to take years of practice to learn something that you can learn in about two two or four weeks of doing this for 10 minutes a day. So it's like breathing exercises for 10 minutes a day. And at the end of a month or so, you realize that you now know when your body gets ready to run away and you know how to turn that off. And that is, it frees enormous willpower that you can use to make better financial decisions. You can stop being afraid of anything that way. And you can avoid the irrationality that can sometimes take over and it's a very human nature sort of thing. So the heart rate variability training is is what you recommend, and there's an app for that. <laughs> you called it. It's not an expensive thing either. Okay. And it's, it, it, like I said, it's not a part of my business. Um, I, I'm an advisor to the company that makes it called HeartMath, but I'm not a paid advisor. I, I just, I've, it's been transformative for my own ability to pay attention, so I make it available for people. Very, very, very cool. Okay, money memories, Dave. Let's talk about an experience that you had, perhaps in your childhood, perhaps more recent, that was uh, very um, influential in how now you think about money and manage your your financial life. Take us there. Back when I was 26, 27, uh, when I made that $6 million, it's, it's remarkable to think you're done like you can do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life and then to, to lose that. So it's actually really traumatic. Even the WHO you know, list of, of traumas says, you know, losing masses of money like that is, is like losing a family member in terms of the, the psychological stress you go through. And I, I remember back then that when I had $6 million on, on paper and, and some substantial amount in the bank that I, I thought, you know, I'll be done when I make 10 and I know when I would have got to 10, it would have been at 20. And so you can always be chasing it, and it goes straight back to that Labrador in your head that's looking for the stick and, and something else. So the bottom line is that a lot of people already have enough money that it's not about the money anymore. It, it's about something else. And, and what it's become about for me is 
Um, money, as, as soon as you have your base needs met, money is, is a tool. And for me, it's a tool to help other people. And different people have different desires for money. And I realized for me to achieve some of the, the goals that I have, it, it will take money. And I have no, no guilt or reservations about that. When I was younger, and I, I look at what I, why I was going for that six or that 10 million, it, it was a fear and a want and like a psychological trap that I built for myself, it, what the, the Buddhists would call grasping. And when I stopped doing that and I started looking at this and saying, I'm really fortunate and, you know, how can I, how can I help the most people? <laughs> and I realized that, you know, having a team supporting me lets me do more good. So I apply money to having my team support me. And that has been really transformative and it's helped accelerate what I do with Bulletproof a lot. It's helped me reach more people and I get messages every day from people who lost a bunch of weight or you know, their brains work again and, and things like that. And I think that that helps make the world I live in and the world my kids are going to grow up in um, a, a better place. So for me, though, that, that losing money, feeling like honestly I was going to die, I was losing so much money. You go through this horrible trauma. Uh, in retrospect, it was a good thing because it taught me um, both to respect and not to fear either money or the lack of it. And so this might categorize as a financial fail, you could say, right? And But I'm curious, how was it that you actually lost the uh, money? How did you fail at, at my, keeping that money in the bank? My career accelerated quite a lot at that time. I was the, the youngest guy in the company to attend board meetings at a $36 billion company. Uh, in terms of our market cap, doing a billion dollars a year in revenue. And this is Exodus Communications, if anyone is wondering. The Google's first servers were in our buildings. This was like a foundational part of the Internet as we know it today. And I was in charge of due diligence for our M&A. So when we wanted to buy a company, I was the guy who would go in and say, is this technology going to work for us, yes or no? And because of that, I knew all of the upcoming acquisitions. So I was blacked out. It was illegal for me to trade my stock. And when the stock started to teeter, what I should have done was quit my job, sold all of my shares and retired. Instead, what I did was I said, I can't do that. I might lose an additional, you know, $4 million in unvested equity or something. So I stayed at the company with the stock dropped from $60 a share to $5 a share. And it was illegal for me to trade it. Yep. In retrospect, I did that because it was fear of not getting everything that made me do that, even though another perspective would have been like, I have enough money, I can do whatever I want. Um, I should just you know, walk away today. And I could have done that for six months. I didn't walk away today. And every day I was worth less and less in the bank account. And that was like just a grinding down sort of horrible feeling. And uh, there's another thing, and I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever talked about this. Um, I was with some online broker, and this is going back 15 years, online brokers still use paper statements and stuff, and it was a, a very cutting-edge one that let me do options and all this stuff, and the reports from them, I'm like, I have a couple hundred grand there, so at least I have like enough to take care of basics. Um, there was a margin on that account that I didn't even know about because I wasn't managing this stuff tightly, and because I was too stubborn and fearful to hire someone to help me manage it. Uh, that the margin that I didn't even know I was using consumed most of the account before I noticed, which was sort of like my safety net went away because I wasn't paying attention to it. And today, the advice that translates to is hire a professional to pay attention to the stuff that you're not paying attention to. So that's why I have a CPA. A lot of people don't have a CPA. 
they don't have good financial guidance, they, they sort of do their stuff themselves. Uh, my perspective is that I don't love that and it's not a unique value that I have. So I pay someone to do it and whether they do it better than me or not quite as good as I would do it, I don't have to think about it anymore. And that frees me up to create something new. And how did you determine who would be your CPA? Was it, did you go through a long list? Did you interview thoroughly? Um, I didn't interview well enough and it actually took me quite a while, probably three or four tries before I found, um, before I found a team that I wanted to work with. And when I say a team, you know, it's a, a small office kind of thing. Um, but that is, it's a risk. I've had some uh, over the years who probably cost me a substantial amount of money <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't choose well. Um, and that's also a fear that I had was, you know, I, I, I can't trust anyone with this, but if you don't find people that you can trust, then well, you may have trust issues or you may just not know how to hire competent people. So let's transition now to something positive in your financial history, a so money moment, a time in your life when you had a financial win. Take us to that moment and tell us, you know, where were you? What happened? What did you experience? You know, I, for me, this was, was such a big thing, making $6 million, that I can talk about what it felt like. I, I was in the Bay Area during the dot-com boom, and real estate was just out of control. And I, I sold my first year's worth of stock options for something like $90,000, which was a down payment on my first house. And I was, I, I was so excited about it. So that was, it was a giant win because when you make a normal salary and all of a sudden you get like another year's salary just – appears in the bank it, it's it's just like an overwhelming like this is amazing and so that that was definitely a big win uh, but what i i didn't do was sort of step back and think about it because had i waited three more months that ninety thousand dollars worth of stock would have been enough to pay cash for the whole house <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe i took it off the table too soon but in retrospect i didn't because uh, one of the lessons i learned from this whole time was there's it's, it's a good idea to sell half until you have enough money that you just don't need to worry about it. And that number is different for different people. But somewhere, I, I don't know, for some people it's $100,000 because you can go live for the rest of your life in Thailand. And for other people who have very expensive tastes, like I couldn't, I can't imagine living without $5 million or something. I don't know what your number is, but you should do some thinking and know what that is. And until you're at that number, when you have a windfall or a potential like that, sell half. If I'd have been smart enough to just take half of my money off the table when I was back then at Exodus, I still would have two or three million dollars. Like there were lots of opportunities there. So I, I do the same thing if I go play uh, blackjack or something. You know, I, I try to take half after I'm far ahead and just sort of set it off to the side and I'm going to walk away with that. And um, I, by the way, I, I don't gamble for, for money. I gamble for entertainment. I'm happy to lose whatever I put on the table. So I'm not a big gambler. But uh, I do like to count cards because it's fun. <laughs> Let's hope Vegas isn't listening. Vegas hope... can listen. I don't bet that big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, yeah, the lesson there really is you need to cut your losses or at least just, you know, not even your losses, like take your fair share when you're done and be happy with what you have. I used to work with Jim Cramer, and one of his favorite sayings is pigs get slaughtered. You know, that, that's so well said. I, I was definitely being a pig. And if I had just harvested some along the way, uh, I would have uh, I would have probably had more flexibility in my life. I've, I've been working to support my family for you know, the last 20 or so years. And I'm I'm enjoying my time as CEO of Bulletproof for sure. 
Um, but, you know, I've been working this whole time, not, you know, rolling around on a Learjet or something, although that would have been fun too. <laughs> sure. Well, let's talk habits. What's a financial ritual, a so money ritual that you, uh, that you do that, that helps keep your money in check and where it needs to be? What could be daily, it could be a little less frequent. Well, you, you tell me if this counts. And it's something I do with my kids every night. And when I put them down for bed every night, I say, tell me three things that you're grateful for. My kids are five and seven. And it's like, I'm grateful that I got modeling clay or I'm grateful that we played together. It's little things like that. But having a, a daily gratitude practice means that I don't make bad financial decisions. Because if, if I live in a world where I'm grateful for all the amazing things that happen around me and all of that, when it comes time to make a financial decision, I never make it from that place of fear. So I don't know if that's you know directly financial enough, but I consider that to be one of the, the, the fundamental things that I do to keep my head on straight so that I can do the financial things. Um, Absolutely. I, I love that. And what I love most about that is that you involve your kids in that ritual. And I think what a phenomenal lesson to be teaching them. I mean, they may not understand the value in this habit right now. I'm sure they just have fun with it. And they think, you know, they think maybe during the day what they're going to say at night when they meet up with you. But um, certainly when they are reflecting on their childhood, this will stand out. And I think in a really big positive way. So that's awesome. And I, and I appreciate that you're, you share that with us. Cause I think that's, that's very inspiring. It, it's funny. I, I I don't you know you don't want to worry a five or seven year old about money, but they know what money is. And mm-hmm. and I literally say you know I'm I'm grateful that you know today I got a book deal for the Bulletproof Diet, and it's going to help a lot of people, and it's going to help pay for our house. And the kids, wow, that's really neat. That's really cool. So I, I'm even in the practice of gratitude, they they learn that you can be grateful that you had a chance to add some value and to you know create create some money. So I I, I really think I'm leading in the right way, and I hope I am. Well, I'm the new mom of a six-month-old, so I I look forward to having these moments with him um, because they are priceless. And not only are you teaching them, uh, you know, that uh, that money can support your goals, but that hard work pays off. You know, in your in your talking in your discussions, you'll inevitably be talking about the work that you're up to and the the goals that you're setting. And I, I just think there's there's so many. Uh, positive things that can come out of that. Um, and that's such a great way to end your day. Love that. And don't, you don't have to wait to start. I, my first big work in terms of writing was a book about pregnancy and fertility before I wrote The Bulletproof Diet. And there is great value to saying what you're grateful for every night before you put your, your baby to bed because they still hear and absorb stuff. So you don't have to wait and it's good for you in the meantime. All right, Dave, this is the uh, the finale for the So Money interview where I ask you a, a succession of questions quickly, rapidly. Give us your first answer that comes to your mind. I'll give you a sentence and you will finish it. All right? Gosh. If I won the lottery tomorrow and you know, infinite amount of money, I would? Establish a foundation to make the money recreate itself so that I could do lots of good stuff. Such as? Such as, uh, right now I'm working on soil quality globally, and uh, you do that by changing food quality and farming practices, so I would fix the world's soil. Wow. Let me know how that's going. (laughs) Slowly. Slowly, slowly. 
the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I spend on my health and performance. I invest a large amount of money on upgrading my performance with every possible technology and practice and vitamin and supplement that I can find. And it is money very well spent. That's a lot of what's in the Bulletproof Diet, actually. Mm -hmm. How about splurge, your biggest splurge, something that you spent a lot of money on that may be too much money, but you, you really can't help yourself? I spent a large amount of money supporting the Ansari X Prize 10th anniversary. This is you know, the X Prize to, for private space and flight. I spent a lot of money to spend three days with the, the founders of that, with Peter Diamandis. And I knew the money was going for a good cause, but it was still a big chunk of money. And I, I did that because I wanted to spend time with people. And I wanted to like see Spaceship One and Spaceship Two and watch rockets being printed and, you know, drive some ridiculously expensive sports cars that were part of the weekend. So it was a splurge, but it was incredibly enjoyable and it actually was inspiring. So I'm happy I did that. Is that something that you as a kid have always been curious about and into? Um, no, I just love spending time around people who are absolutely changing the world by disrupting things. And, and private space travel is doing in a fraction of the time what governments have never really achieved. So I, I'm, I'm just um, awed to be around people who 10 years ago, or, there was nothing. And now, like, here's our spaceship. <laughs> it's right. longer for everyone else to do it. So it, it's very inspiring. One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is... I wish I had known growing up that pretty much I'll always be able to make money. And and this is true of every of everyone. I had so much fear around money that was unnecessary. I, I just wish I'd, I'd known to, to treat it as, as something that I can get more of and something that I can use for greater good. And if I'd have known that, I think I would have approached it differently. And finally, I'm Dave Asprey and I'm so money because... Because I live much of every day in a state of flow, and I have so much joy in my life that it doesn't matter how much money I have. I still live an amazing life. Well, congratulations to you and your family. Your new book is called The Bulletproof Diet, a fascinating read. I'm sure it will be very, very popular as many of us embark on our New Year's resolutions uh, to live a healthier life and lifestyle. And um, I wish you the best and continued success. Your website is bulletproofexec.com. You can follow Dave at bulletproofexec on Twitter. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks, Brennish. Love your show. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Dave Asprey, visit his website, bulletproofexec.com. His new book is called The Bulletproof Diet. We have all the links for where to find Dave as well as the inner balance sensor he mentioned all at somoneypodcast.com. And there you can also find the transcript and comments from this episode and all episodes. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, a previous guest at somoneypodcast.com and there's a very good chance I'm going to answer it this coming weekend. Just also tweet me at Farnoosh. Use the hashtag SoMoney if you have something to say. And tomorrow on the show, very exciting, we have best-selling author of the book Money, A Love Story, Kate Northrup. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi, and I hope your day is so money.